Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show this morning. Unfortunately, Pastor Phil is not here, so we are missing him today. But Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Russ are in the studio and um, we have been talking about the post-resurrection appearances of Christ, and then we moved on to the ascension. Well, now we're moving to the next kind of idea within the, the calendar year, which is Pentecost itself. Um, if you remember, this, is, uh, this takes place in Acts chapter 2. Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, go in Jerusalem, wait uh, for the promised Holy Spirit. Um, and then... Acts chapter 2 begins with, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, Russ, I think your experience is actually pretty common for probably lots of evangelicals. Yeah, I I said off the air that um, basically for many, many years into adulthood, I just didn't know that the reason why Pentecost was called Pentecost was because it was the day of Pentecost that this was a day on the Jewish church calendar, and they had gathered on that day um, in Acts chapter 2, and I just assumed that was the first Pentecost that ever was. However, I've come to realize now that Pentecost has actually had been celebrated for millennium um, up until that point, Mm -hmm. um, and that they had gathered on that day, as was commanded in the Old Testament, and that's when God pours out his spirit, but it wasn't the first Pentecost. Yeah, it's, it's possible that some of our hearers don't even recognize the name Pentecost. And that's and we're talking about that. You know, remember when Jesus ascended into heaven, he had told his disciples to remain until he poured out his spirit upon them. And so Pentecost is that day when uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out on it, in a, a special way, um, emboldening those disciples who um, go out and preach to those same people who have put Jesus to death and 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 proclaim who he is, mm-hmm. and 3,000 people are converted on that same day. So right. this is Pentecost, and that's why oftentimes our focus is on that New Testament event where the Spirit is poured out on and they're preaching with boldness, people are being converted, mm-hmm. but it actually, as it, there was already a Pentecost, yeah. because as Acts 2, 1 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, yeah. there was already a Pentecost in place. Yeah. Uh, and this was, you, you pointed out, um, uh, Jonathan, that uh, this was one of the three feasts 
that the uh, Israelites were to come to Jerusalem for you know three times a year. It says that in Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen, or at least the yeah, the, three, ma- the males yeah. anyway. Yeah, um, which I think I actually think this is a remarkable um, picture of the generosity and love of God. I mean, if you, I think a lot of people misread um, the Old Testament law and all they see are all these um, regulations and rules. Um, this was a duty. That's that's true. They had a duty to come to Jerusalem three times a year, but it was a duty to delight and celebrate in God. I mean, there's, the, a, there's God, something really celebratory oh, oh, about this. God was te- and there's another promise, another place where God actually says, "Look, I will protect your land." I will watch over your fields when you come up to Jerusalem. You don't even have to worry about that. And so he's saying, come to the holy city and have, I'm not trying to use levity here, but I want you to have a holy party in in Jerusalem three times a year with, with me and my people. And and this is what's what was taking place when um, the Pentecost we read about in Acts is there. They're, these are generally religious people that have come together uh, for this and when the Spirit is uh, poured out. So the, three times a year they would come. The first time they would come would be the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then uh, the, the Feast of Weeks. Well, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that would be Passover. Uh, that's another name for that. Um, this is a reminder of the deliverance of uh, the people from Egypt. Um, there's a Passover. They would come up for Passover. And this is the time when Jesus was put to death. Jesus was put to death during the, the days of Passover. Then 50 days after that comes the uh, Feast of Weeks, which is the Feast of Pentecost. And it goes by several names. So you have Passover and then Pentecost. And this takes place 50 days later. Mm-hmm. Which that those 50 days is actually very, very significant. Um, as kind of uh, reform people, uh, we believe that the fourth commandment um, is still in effect today. In other words, we believe that the, the Christian Sabbath is the Lord's day. And people will ask, well, where does it show in scripture that the, the Sabbath changed from Saturday to, to Sunday? And I would say, well, there's several indications, one being that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, which is why it's called the Lord's day. Revelation calls it the Lord's day. But here at, at Pentecost, when the spirit was poured out upon uh, both Jews and Gentiles, this was on a Sunday. Just do the math. 50 days after um, the Passover celebration, uh, seven full weeks, that that is Sunday. Mm-hmm. So this is another indication of, of how God is, is showing um, that there's still a day set apart from the Lord, even in the New Testament. And just to help with the whole idea of the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament was this was a time where um, God was calling his people together in really to to come before him and give him praise for his provision for them, um, that they were celebrating his providing food, a harvest. And so it's a, it's a day of incredible joy. It's a day in which, interestingly, God is saying, give praise to God for the great provision that he's given to you. And in that great provision, know that you are also called to be a blessing to those that are around you. Mm-hmm. In the the Leviticus passage, when it talks about the Feast of Weeks, at the end it says, 
And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after the harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of, and then the comparable passage in Deuteronomy 16 in this motivation for celebration of the Feast of Weeks is saying, and remember that you were slaves in Egypt and I redeemed you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of the motivations of care for others was, remember that you were in that position. Now God has blessed you. Continue to be a blessing to those around you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of those little nuggets come out in the New Testament fulfillment of this event that we're celebrating the great provision of God and the great provision of God is the giving of his spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and this is one of the things that uh, this, this 50 days after Passover was also not only their celebration of that harvest, but the Jews at that time also came to recognize that it co- coincided with this time period when God came down on Mount Sinai mm-hmm. and met with Moses face to face in the giving of the law and constituting them as the people of God. And so uh, Pentecost had a reference to that, mm-hmm. that you know, mm-hmm. and, and that, that celebration of um, God making them a people after his name. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's also celebrated. So it's really two two sides to this: the the God of provision of material needs, the harvest, and a God of provision of redeeming them and giving them the law, mm-hmm. the law. And there is a, you know, th- this is perhaps a little bit of a footnote, but um, Jesus. I'm going to pay attention today because yesterday yeah. you went on this tangent, and I had <laughs> no idea how we got there. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it brief then. So the. <laughs> Jesus is very strategic in wanting his gospel to be published to all nations. Mm-hmm. Part of the, the the reason why this waiting till Pentecost was so significant is because the Jews from other uh, countries would be flocking to Jerusalem to mm-hmm. observe uh, Pentecost, and it's precisely at that moment where um, the Spirit falls. Peter. Peter preaches his first sermon post-resurrection, and then after Pentecost, all these people disperse again, essentially bringing the gospel. I mean, this is such a, this is a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that that God would be a blessing to all nations. Now the gospel is exploding. I mean, by the time you get to like. The, the book of Romans, it, it's questionable whether Paul had even visited Rome prior to this time, but there was already a church that was flourishing there. Uh, why? Well, presumably because of what happened here at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Right. The, everything, you know, God always works in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, he sent forth his son. He's He's born at, at just the right moment. You know, you have that Pax Romana, the Roman peace in which, you know, he's born into that period of time when the gospel can spread, you know, then and then you add on to that uh, Pentecost when they've all, as you said, when they've all gathered from different places. Yeah. In fact, when you read when you read in Acts um, where people came from, and then you go to say First Peter, and you re- read about these scattered mm-hmm. these the mm-hmm. the the elect exiles that are scattered throughout Pontus and. Bithynia, and you go, wait, those are some of the same places that I read about in, in Acts. Yeah. How did they get the gospel up there? Exactly, yeah. Pentecost. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I, I didn't I didn't lose you, right? No, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners aren't, but that's okay. We do okay. stream of consciousness right here sometimes, so uh, we'll maybe get into this later. But um, Jonathan was talking about this whole idea of that this coincides with the the giving of the law, um, and it's interesting that with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, there were all of these signs and wonders mm-hmm. that occurred. Um, and in some ways, you see uh, a, there's a, a repetition of the, of the wind and the fire yep. that that takes place. You know, at the giving of the law in Mount Sinai, uh, you you find it here. And so, all of this to say that there is a great need of the church to continue to be in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that imagery, um, the the groundwork for many New Testament events is being laid in the Old Testament, and that gives us a a better and deeper and richer knowledge and appreciation of what God is continuing to do in his church in the New Testament. Yeah. Well, as I said, the the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Mm -hmm. Um, The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. There's the the hints and the types and the shadows are all pointing to that. Mm-hmm. I think we need to do a, a, a series on covenant theology at some point so we can help people tie their Bibles together. Mm-hmm. And and we, when we don't spend time in the Old Testament, we do it to our own detriment because there's there's a richness there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I grew up in, in, ty- in, in kind of a church where it was like, well, if I've got the New Testament, why would I bother going back into mm-hmm. the Old? Yeah. Um, well, Paul, Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, these things in the Old Testament happen to you as examples or types so that you would learn from them and, and either not follow in their negative example or take up their positive example. Mm-hmm. So, so Paul, the apostle of the New Testament, saying you desperately need the Old Testament. Yeah. And to me, all of this helped me appreciate, understand, and know um, Pentecost better. Um, and hopefully, as we work through it over the next couple of days, this will also hopefully provide a foundation so as we move forward into the text in Acts 2 it will become clearer to you what's going on. All right, we'll see you next time. 